Welcome to Sunday Showcase. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. From across the globe, you've tuned in to Cutting Edge Retro Radio on Project Audion. Hi, I'm Larry Groby from the Generic Radio Workshop, and I'm just getting ready for our newest Project Audion show, which starts in just a couple minutes. You know, this marks the beginning of the second year of Project Audion, and to open this season, we're returning to that classic radio drama, Suspense. I'll say more about our show in a moment, but for right now, I'll keep you in suspense about that. Now, through the magic of Zoom, today's cast is our widest ranging ever with actors in California, Texas, Kentucky, uh, Florida, and for the first time, as far away as England. Three of today's cast members were with us on that very first show a year ago. It's been one of the great pleasures of Project Audion to discover so much terrific talent in so many places, and to give them a chance to play very different roles. Because in audio drama, you don't have to look like the character you portray. Exhibit A. Back in 1950, this show, which guest-starred movie actor Ray Milan, had a supporting cast that, well, any listener had heard many times before. Very different from television. Radio actors could jump from show to show weekly. In fact, this cast had also appeared in Let George Do It, Broadway's My Beat, Night Beat, Richard Diamond, Jeff Regan Investigator, Johnny Dollar, <laughs> The Halls of Ivy, among others. And that's just in this very same week. And even within a show, actors often doubled up on roles. Today, director Pete Lutz has several men playing two parts each part. Anyway, today's episode is based on 1939 Raymond Randler short stories. It is a detective yarn, but it's one whose tongue is firmly in leak about two frenemies <laughs> that find that pearls are a nuisance. It aired twice on Spence and now on Project Audio. Oh, the studio clock is ticking towards the top of the hour. So sit back, back, and enjoy Pearls Are Nuisance. A tale, tale well calculated to. Well, you know. Suspense. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present Mr. Ray Milland in Pearls Are a Nuisance, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spear. Mr. Wilcox, who are the batters for today's game? Why, Dora, my beauteous Bobby Sox neighbor, the batteries in today's driving game are the Autolite Stay Full batteries. You don't understand. I meant bat. Uh, certainly I understand. You mean the Autolite Stay Full battery is right in there pitching with day-after-day dependability, and you're right in there catching all the advantages of longer battery life. But I mean baseball. Right over the plate, my girl. The Autolite Stay Full battery has three times as much liquid reserve above the plate as batteries. 
batteries without stay-full features. Mr. Wilcox, let's get back to... The batteries? For today's car, it's Autolite stay-full batteries. The batteries that need water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, friends, you're always right with Autolite. And now, with Pearls are a nuisance and the performance of Ray Milland, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in... Suspense. It's quite true that I wasn't doing anything that morning, except looking at a blank sheet of paper in my typewriter and thinking about writing a letter. It's also quite true that I don't have a great deal to do any morning, but I like not doing anything. It gives me something to do. And I don't like telephone calls that interfere with it. That's why I have two telephones, one a public phone that I can ignore and the other a private phone, which I better answer if I know what's good for me, and I do. What did you say, darling? Oh, I said good morning, dear. How are you, darling? Busy? Yes and no. Mostly no. Why? Someone has stolen Mrs. Penruddock's pearls, and I want you to find them. Stolen pearls? Well, possibly you think you have the police department on the line. This is the residence of Walter Gage. Walter Gage speaking. If you aren't here in less than half an hour, you'll receive a small parcel by registered mail containing a diamond engagement ring. I'll tell Mr. Gage when he comes in. I went, naturally. I even hurried. Ellen's voice has that effect on me. I think it's the way she says... Walter, darling. Yes, Ellen. Mrs. Penruddock's pearl necklace has been stolen. So you said on the telephone. My blood pressure remains normal. It's a string of 49 matched pink pearls that Mr. Penruddock gave his wife on their golden wedding anniversary. Only 49 pearls for 50 years of marriage? Hmm. I wonder what was the bad year. Oh, shut up, darling. Oh, yes, dear. The worst part of it is the pearls are false. False? <laughs> Evidently, they were all bad years. Oh, don't be silly, Walter. Well, you know, I have a very simple solution for you. Call the police. Be quiet, darling. Oh, yes, dear. The pearls were real enough when Mr. Penruddock gave them to her. The fact is, she sold them through an old friend of hers in the jewelry business, and he had copies made for her. Those copies have been stolen. Oh, if she tells the police, Mr. Penruddock is sure to find out she sold the real ones. So you've got to get them back, Walter. Oh, what does it matter if they were false? She's terrified that the thief will blackmail her when he finds out they're only imitations. Well, Mr. Penruddock might hear of it, and the cat is out of the bag. I begin to see what may be described as daylight. But where do I start looking for these baubles? I know who stole them. The chauffeur we had here a few months, Walter. Oh, a big, horrid, a, a horrid big bruiser named Henry Eichelberger. He left suddenly the day before yesterday for no reason at all. And without a word. Oh, I'm sure he stole the pearls. 
How big did you say he is? About six feet. Well, in that case... Three. Uh, three? Six for three? Three. Oh, I'm sure he didn't take them. Couldn't have. He tried to kiss me once, Walter. Oh, he did. Tried to kiss you, huh? Where is this big slab of me, darling? Here's the address he gave when he first came here to work. Oh, it sounds like an unpleasant neighborhood. Not half as unpleasant as it will be for Eichelberger when I arrive. Tried to kiss you, did he? The pearls are the important thing, Walter. Oh, and be careful. He's six foot three, remember? I find it difficult to forget. <laughs> Eichelberger's address proved to be a seedy-looking hotel, upstairs over a Chinese laundry. At the head of the stairs was a door marked manager. I rang the bell. Pull up, bud. Roll. I'm not inquiring for a room. I'm looking for one Henry Eichelberger, who I'm informed lives here. If he does, he ain't registered. Well, that, of course, you know, is contrary to the law. A wise guy, hey? Down the hall, Jack. 218. Have the kindness to show me the way. <laughs> what do you know? A duke, no less. Okay, your lordship, pick up your feet, hey? This is it. He's out. Well, have the goodness to unlock the door. I wish to go in and wait for Eichelberger. In a pig's valise? Who do you think you are, jerk boy? I wouldn't call me names if I were you. You wouldn't, hey? Well, that just shows the difference between you and me, because I would. Want to make something of it, hey? Yes. What? <laughs> that wasn't fair. You got 20 years on me, hey? Well, open the door, hey. I have no time to argue with you. Uh, a buck. Uh, two bucks, and I won't even tell Eichelberger when he comes in, hey? That is a deal. Uh, brother, you can hit. I'll say that for you, hey? Oh, thanks, hey. Here's your money. And if you hear any noises later on, ignore them. And if there's any damage, it will be paid for generously. I hope you know what you're doing, hey? I searched all the likely places where he might have hidden the necklace. Then I searched all the unlikely places. No necklace. Then I heard approaching footsteps. How'd you get in here, Sonny? The explanation of that can wait. I am looking for one Eichelberger. Are you he? Get you. A real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt before you make me laugh. My name is Gage, Walter Gage. Are you Eichelberger? Give me a nickel and I'll tell you. Well, I am the fiancé of Miss Ellen McIntosh, and I am informed that you tried to kiss her. What do you mean, tried? I hit him rather severely on his left eye, then the right. 
Then I gave him a crushing uppercut to the jaw. He looked at me with an air of patient resignation. Oh, well. And then hit me. I bent over and took hold of the room with both hands and spun it. When I had it nicely spinning, I gave it a full swing and hit myself on the back of the head with a floor. I believe I lost consciousness at this point. At any rate, I was no longer aware of the time of day. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Ray Milland in Raymond Chandler's satirical detective story, Pearls Are a Nuisance. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding Theater of Thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Harlow Wilcox for Autolite. Let's see now. A pinch hitter is a substitute. But there's no substitute for that famous Autolite Stay Full battery. Mr. Wilcox, we weren't discussing those batteries. Why, Dora, they're the batteries for today's game. (laughs) I mean car. Why, recent tests conducted according to SAE life cycle standards prove that the Autolite Stayful battery gives 70% longer average life than batteries without the Stayful feature. Oh, I give up. Nobody, but nobody would give up an Autolite Stayful battery. So, friends, see your dealer and have him install an Autolite Stayful battery in your car. And remember, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Ray Milland as Walter Gage, with Hal March as J. Henry Eichelberger in Pearls Are a Nuisance, a muscular drama replete with situations well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. I was thinking about the possibility of getting back to my feet in the very near future. A wet towel began to slap at my face, and I opened my eyes. The face of one Henry Eichelberger was close to mine, and for a certain appearance of tender solicitude. I thought maybe you was kilt, Jack. You got a stomach as weak as Chinese tea. Oh, what happened? <laughs> as if I didn't know. You tripped on an itty-bitty tear in the carpet. Feel like getting up? Here! Thank you, Henry. May I call you Henry? No tax on it. You look okay. Why didn't you tell me you were sick? Eichelberger, you swine, that does it. Aw, cut it out. You'll muss my hair. I wish you would fall down when I hit you, Henry, just once. It would do wonders for my morale. You and me could get along, Jack. I never kissed your girl, even if I ain't saying I wouldn't like to. Is that all that's eating on you? No, there is another matter. Sit down and tell me the score. Only no more haymakers. They give me a headache. Promise? I promise. Tell me, why did you leave the employ of Mrs. Pinruddick? You tell me. Am I what you might call a good looker? Well, Henry... Don't soap me. No, then... 
I wouldn't call you handsome exactly, but unquestionably you ate your spinach as a child, if that's a consolation. Get you, a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt. Look, suppose you fell for a doll with stars in her hair. A guy like me that looks like a taxi going down the street with both doors open. Then, suppose you get a job where you see this doll all the time and every day and know it's no dice. What would you do, Jack? Me? I just quit the job. Ellen? Yeah? Henry, I'd like to shake your hand. Go ahead. Now, there's one more thing. One rather insignificant detail. I'm empowered to arrange for the return of Mrs. Penruddick's pearls, which you have no doubt stolen. Fifty dollars reward and no embarrassing questions. You got knives, Jack. So you think I stole some marbles and am sitting around here waiting for a flock of cops to swarm me? The police have not been told, Henry, and you may not be aware that the pearls are false. False? You mean they're false? Exactly. <laughs> and you think I would bother myself to hook some phonies? You mean you didn't steal the necklace, Henry? Now look, if they was ringers, I wouldn't be bothered. And if they was real, I wouldn't be holed up in no cheap flop in L.A. waiting for a couple of carloads to John's, of John's to put the sneeze on me. Now would I? Well, that is exactly what I thought, Henry. Well, as long as you didn't steal them... How would you like the job of helping me recover them? You kidding? No, Henry. It's obvious that if you didn't snatch those marbles, I believe that's the expression, someone else did, and you can help me find him. How about it? Well, why not? Why not indeed? You got any ideas of where to start? Yes, I have. I feel that we must, as I say, tap the grapevine. When a string of pearls is stolen, all the underworld must be seething. Maybe you got it right, but this underworld that's doing all this seething ain't going to seethe much over a string of glass beads. Or am I punchy? Well, I'm thinking, Henry, that the underworld probably has a sense of humor. And a thief who went to the trouble of stealing some worthless trinkets would be the butt of considerable coarse humor. There's the nucleus of an idea in that. I would say something like that could get around the pool rooms and start a little wholesome chuckling, all right? Yes. All we need to do is find and locate a reliable crook. Now, there's a G named Lou Scandese that runs the Blue Lagoon downtown, might be interested in some marbles, but he don't like being asked questions. Mm, he sounds dangerous. Ah, we'll turn him inside out and take a look at his liver. Very well. Well, let us go and beard this Scandese character in his malodorous den. Yeah. Leave us do uh, whatever it was you just said. Mr. Scandese's Blue Lagoon was not difficult to find. It was a rather soiled establishment bathed in an unpleasant blue light. Henry and I went through a small, dim dining room to a door marked private. Wasn't it awful? We didn't even knock. You, Scandizi? Wants to know. Me and my friend here want to talk to you. So talk. I'm listening. It's about some pearls. 49. 
That right, Walter? Quite right. A coil necklace that somebody heisted. Get out of here before I have you thrown out. You'll do what? I'll do nothing. All right, Doughface. What about them poils? I don't think I heard about it. Try and remember. Maybe if I pulled off one of your ears, it might help. Henry, you seem to be doing all the work. Don't, do you think that's quite fair? Okay, you work him over. These fat guys brew something lovely. Take it easy. I ain't heard nothing. You guys insurance men, huh? Now you're cooking with helium, Doughface. What insurance company bo- you boys work for? Give him my card, Walter. This is my personal card. It has my phone number on it. Okay. You may be surprised if you get a call. What do you think, Walter? You think this muzzler is leveling with us? I dare say he wouldn't be above telling us an untruth. Get you! A real comedian! Wait till I loosen my belt. You giving us a straight good skin, Daisy? Straight goods, absolute. We'll cooperate. I bet you get a call. Okay. So long, Scandizzi, and keep your schnozzle clean if you don't want to be looking for it under your desk. Yes, remember that, hey? Well, what now? I think we've done an adequate day's work, Henry. The procedure would be for me to go home and wait for the telephone to ring, bearing glad tidings from the underworld. What about me? I would suggest that you wend your way homeward also. Here's my private number. Give me a call in the morning after you do your setting up exercises. Get you, a real comedian. I went home and waited for the phone to ring. I must have fallen asleep after a while. It was quite dark out when the call came through. Well, here goes. Walter Gage speaking, American Insurance Company. When did you become an insurance company? Oh, it's you, Ellen. Why why didn't you call on the private phone? I didn't have the number handy. You haven't found the pearls yet. How did you know? We just got a telephone call. From whom? He wouldn't say. All he said was he heard from somebody named San... Something. Scandizzi? Oh, that's it. That we were looking for the pearls. Has he found that the pearls are false? No. And I didn't tell him. All right. Well, don't worry. We have an idea how to get them back. We? Who's we? Henry and me. Henry? Henry who? Eichelberger. I've hired him to help me find the pearls. Are you out of your mind? Didn't Henry take the pearls? Of course not. He only left because he was in love with you. Oh, Walter! That big brute! How could you say such a thing? But, Ellen, I thought you'd be flattered. Flattered? I never want to speak to you again, Walter Gage. Goodbye. Ellen! Ouch. Women, I sometimes wonder. Oh, honey, I'm glad you called back. Listen, darling. Who are you calling, honey, sweetheart? Um, who's this? Never mind. Your name, Gage? Yes? Uh, a guy named Scandese says you're looking for some oyster fruit. 
A frail named Macintosh says you're the guy to talk to. Possibly. Well, I got 49 of them. Pink ones. Five grand is the price. Why, that is entirely absurd. Those pearls happen to be false. Eh, quit your kidding. You heard me. Five G's. I'll give you till tomorrow afternoon to scrape it together. Then I'll call you and let you know where to meet me. Hello? Ellen, this is Walter. I told you I never wanted to speak to you again. All right, I won't speak to you. Just tell me the name of the man who sold Mrs. Penruddick's pearls to her. Uh, Gallimore. Roger Gallimore. He has a jewelry company downtown. Uh, thank you. Oh, Walter. How do you like it, darling? <laughs> I was beginning to see the light. I went to see Mr. Gallimore. He was a tall pink man of about seventy, and he listened to my narrative of events with considerable interest. Five thousand seems like a good deal for a string of false spoils. Yes, indeed. That, Mr. Gallimore, is why I came to see you. I believe I can hazard a guess as to the reason for such an exorbitant demand, and I further believe that you're in a position... "'to confirm my impression.' "'And what might that impression be, Mr. Gage?' "'I believe that the pearls are, in fact, real. "'You are a very old friend of Mrs. Penruddick, "'perhaps even a childhood sweetheart. "'When she gave you the pearls to sell, "'you did not sell them, Mr. Gallimore. "'Instead, you gave her $20,000 of your own money "'and returned the pearls to her.' pretending that they were imitations of the original necklace. Son, you think a lot smarter than you talk. I try very hard, Mr. Gallimore. Then I'm correct? Embarrassingly so, Mr. Gage. The pearls are real. Now, what would you like me to do? Entrust me with $5,000 with which to retrieve them. Son, I am a fool. It is so long since I heard anyone talk the way Jane Austen writes that is uh, making a sucker out of me. Thank you, sir. I know that my language is a bit stilted. And so, Henry, Mr. Gallimore gave me this check. You mean he gave it to you? 5,000 fish? Just like that? You have said it. Will I be a Mickey Finn at a woman's club lunch? Kid, you got something with that daisy chain shatter of yours. Well, thank you, Henry. At any rate, all that now remains is for the phone to ring. Aha. Uh -huh. You can say that again. Aha. Uh -huh. Hello? Gage? Yes, who is this? Guess. You got the money? It's in my pocket at this exact moment. If I have any assurance of honorable treatment, I'm prepared to go through with it. You'll get the marbles, okay? We're in this business a long time, and we can't afford the Welsh. If we did, it would get around, and then no one would play with us. I understand. What are your instructions? Tonight at 8 shop, you be in Cathedral Park. Got that? Yes. At the end of the Dirt Road, but be there at 8 shop. 
I come alone with no guns, and no funny business, no smart work, no slip up, and nobody gets hoit. That's the way we do business. Very well. Uh, one last thing. Where did you get my phone number from Scandizi? Who else? Eight o'clock then, and no tricks. That is very interesting. What? The telephone. Yeah, yeah. Hooray for Alexander Graham. What's his name? But what did that guy say? Hmm? Oh, oh yes, it's all arranged. I'm to meet them tonight all by myself and give them the money. All by yourself, huh? Get you, a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt. They'll take the dough and leave you lying there, bleeding all over yourself, and they'll still have the marbles. I ought to go with you. Henry, it is my duty, and I must brave these monsters and human geese alone and undetended. Of course, I do have a big car, and you could hide on the floor under the rug. It's a cinch. But maybe... Walter, the only thing wrong with you, as far as I can see, is you got holes in your head. All I'm trying to do is keep you from getting another one. I'm going with you. So it was settled. Henry was to go with me. That afternoon, I stopped at the bank. Five hundred, ten, fifteen... Where I cashed Mr. Gallimore's check and changed it into hundred-dollar bills. Thirty-five hundred, forty... You count that as though it was your own. Five thousand. Five thousand. Well, now, a roll of quarters, please. A roll of quarters, please. There's an echo in here. Just leave them in the wrapper. Quite heavy, aren't they? Yes, aren't they? And so, late that evening, I found myself in Cathedral Park with Henry Eichelberger boy in the back of the car. I was very nervous. I think Henry was also. Neither of us were any too sure of what was going to happen that night. Oh! Call me back! What's the matter, Henry? Uh, aren't you comfy back there? Oh, I'm comfy, all right. Only my heater keeps digging into me. Ain't we there yet? We're getting close. Just stay down. This is business. This is the end of the line, Henry. Be careful. They're probably watching us. Me, Walter. My gun is breaking my back. Well, stop sitting on it. I did. Anything stirring? No, keep quiet. I'll make like a little mousy. Don't you think we've waited long enough, Henry? Well, we've only been waiting 15 minutes. You sure this is a place? Yes. 
let's get out of the car and see if anybody shoots at us. Then we'll know if somebody's around. Well, that seems to me to be the difficult way of finding out, but let's try it. I personally feel sure that there is no one here but you and I. Suckered! You know what happened, Walter. What do you think, Henry? It was just a tryout, that's all. Tomorrow this guy calls you again on the phone and says, Sorry, but they had to be careful and they will try again tonight, maybe out in Mount Vernon, and the price is now ten grand on account of their extra trouble. I ought to go back and twist that scandeezy so he spends the rest of his life looking up his left pants leg. Well, Henry, what is the next move? Beat it on home, I guess. Anyhow, I won't need this gun anymore. My back is sore enough from it. Mm. We stood there and looked at one another, Henry and I. He doubled his hands into fists and shook them slowly in his sadness. I, too, was melancholy. In the brief time I had known Henry, I had grown quite fond of him. Yeah, that's it, all right. Nothing else to do but beat it on home. That's all is left of us. I took my right hand out of my pocket. I have large hands. In my right hand nestled the roll of quarters I had gotten from the bank that morning. Henry didn't notice. My hand made a large and heavy fist around them. What are you looking at me so funny for, Walter? I just wanted to say goodnight, Henry. You had two strikes on me. This is the big one. I don't get it. He got it then. My fist, with nearly a pound of metal, caught him squarely on the jaw. For a moment, he wavered back and forth on his feet, and then... Henry Eichelberger lay motionless on the ground, as limp as a rubber glove. I found the pearls twined around his ankle inside his left sock. Well, Henry, I said, although he couldn't hear me, you are a gentleman even if you are a thief. You could have taken the money a dozen times today. You could have taken it a while ago when you were still had the gun. But even that repelled you. You threw the gun away and we were man to man but you still hesitated. In fact, Henry, I said, for a successful thief, you hesitated just a little too long. But as a sporting man, I can only think more highly of you. Goodbye, Henry, and good luck, I said. I put a hundred-dollar bill in his chubby little fist and withdrew. End of story. But how did you know it was Henry, darling? You told me so, little lemon cookie. You were quite sure of it. I know, but you must have had proof of some kind. There was one other minor little detail that convinced me that Henry was the guilty party. I gave Scandese my phone number, but I have two telephones. One is a private line. Only two people had that number. You were one of them, and Henry was the other. When Henry's accomplice got in touch with me, he used the phone number that I had given Henry. 
not the one I gave, I gave Scandizi, you see? Oh, darling, you're so clever. Well, of course. <laughs> you may kiss me if you'd like. A few months after Ellen and I were married, we received a letter postmarked Honolulu. It was from Henry. My dear Walter, I have only just received the joyous tidings that you and Ellen are embarked upon the happy tide of holy matrimony. I am so glad for you. I often think of you, Walter, particularly with an overwhelming curiosity as to what it was you struck me with that night. Ah, well, I dare say it can only be conjecture on my part now. A hammer, perhaps. At any rate, I entertain no feelings of ill will toward you. On the contrary, I am indebted to you greatly. The ease with, with, you, with which you talked Mr. Gallimore out of $5,000 has changed my life. I have been taking English lessons myself and am now practicing on a wealthy widow woman, not without financial success. Ah, to Jaws Le Sport. Devotedly, Henry. P.S. Was it perchance an anvil, I wonder? Oh, Henry wasn't such a bad fellow. All I really disliked him for was his barbaric English. Now he's changed that. Maybe I should have married him. What do you think, Walter? Get you, a real comedian. Wait till I loosen my belt. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Ray Milland. Mr. Wilcox, what's your batting average? Very high, Dora. 400, as a matter of fact. You see, I'm batting in Autolite's big league of more than 400 fine products made by Autolite for cars, trucks, planes, and boats in 28 plants from coast to coast. So, friends, don't accept electrical parts supposed to be as good. Ask for and insist on Autolite original factory parts at your neighborhood service station, car dealer, garage, or repair shop. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. Next Thursday for Suspense, our star will be Agnes Moorhead. The play is called The Chain, and it is, as we say... A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Tonight's Suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morweck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Pearls Are a Nuisance is an original story by Raymond Chandler, adapted for radio by Ronald McDougall. Don't forget, next Thursday, same time, Autolite will present Suspense, starring Agnes Moorhead. Autolite Stayful Batteries, Autolite Resistor, or Regular Spark Plugs, Autolite Electrical Parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Project Audion. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll tell your friends about it. Share us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or your favorite social media. We're very social, so please contact us at projectaudion at gmail.com. And once again, thanks for listening. Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre, and the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.